You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back for the 21st episode of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, we just watched... The Chiefs have a very disappointing loss to the Las Vegas Raiders the other day. How you doing on this? We're recording. What is today even a Monday? How you doing on this Monday? It's a it's a Monday. Um, been down in the dumps for large portions of the day. Have been getting angry messages from a lot of you on Twitter about um, the state of the game. Have been through quite a bit of Chiefs drama all over and it's all due to the fact that yesterday they were beaten at home by the Las Vegas Raiders and I think it that was a loss that I don't think any of us really saw coming for real nobody saw coming I I put out my tweet prediction for the game beforehand and it was I said like 41 13 or something like that I thought the Chiefs were going to dominate Uh, I don't think that the Raiders are a very good team defensively, and they kind of showed that. The Chiefs scored 32 points. That's usually good for a win in the NFL if you score 32 points. Um, Unfortunately for them, it was the first game where they've really kind of taken it uh, backseat and let deep plays go, deep plays happen against this bag defense. We just haven't seen that before. And really the Raiders haven't shown that before. They're not a team that – um, have really tested the waters in that sort of sense. Derek Carr, that's his biggest criticism, right, is that he doesn't he doesn't throw the deep pass, and they did. They did yesterday, and kudos to them. Um, they had a good game plan. I still think John Gruden can call a good offense, and that, that offense is different with Henry Ruggs. Um, he was not healthy in that game against the Bills, and you could tell how much that really hurt hurt the offense when they didn't have him. I, I, it's – it sucks. I mean, losing sucks. If, if you're okay with losing, then you're a loser, I guess. I don't know. That's what I'll tell you. <laughs> losing, it's just not fun, you know? And, and, and it sucks that it's the Mahomes' first loss by more than seven points, and it comes to the Raiders at home. And, you know, but that's something we said before on this on this podcast is that every single week you're going to get every team's best. We're the, we're the pinnacle of the NFL at this point. We're the Super Bowl champs. You're going to have the target on your back when you're the Super Bowl champs. And everybody's been chasing us, especially the AFC West. Everybody in the AFC West has been chasing us for years now. This is, what, their third loss or something like that since Andrew Reid's taken over? Yeah, it's only, like, their third loss to an AFC West team. And I think that the interesting thing about yesterday was it was very – it was kind of an uncharacteristic game from both the offensive and the defensive perspective. You talked about those giving up big plays. That's the one thing that Spags and the team has not allowed to happen. I told them, I can't even think of the last team, another team pulled a home run on us quite like they did on a couple of those plays. But like you said, the Raiders have probably had those plays dialed up for a while specifically for that to unleash their big plays against the Chiefs' big plays. Yeah, that was really where they took away the Chiefs' deep plays because I was sitting here watching um, 
the film on this just here a little bit ago. And basically they were just content to run their safeties and play different kinds of double coverage on Kelsey and Hill. And they really did a good job of mixing it up like that. The Chiefs started out running the ball, not bad in the first half, but they started slugging down into the box. And that was kind of what the Raiders wanted us to do. I think they had that stuff pretty much all scoped out, taking away the run lanes from Clyde. And we didn't really see a whole lot of other variation in the play calling. Some of it's starting to get a touch predictable, which that's not really bad because it's mostly just going to be, you know, it's going to be like just the crossing patterns to Kelsey. Like everyone knows they're going to run it, but that doesn't mean they have to stop calling it because it's so effective. I think the Raiders did a good job of their coaches, their defensive coaches guessing and mixing things up from that perspective. So, yeah, it was just an overall very uncharacteristic thing, something we're really not used to losing to another AFC West team. But this was a must-win for John Gruden and the Raiders. Yes, it was. And I think that Nick Jacobs put out a Twitter uh, thread about kind of that whole thing about that is like the Chief, the, the Raiders' mountain are the Kansas City Chiefs. They are measure, they're going to measure themselves against them. And most of the NFL is going to do that as well. But the Raiders had to do it, like he was saying, because they need to start buying into what Gruden's been selling them for, you know, the past few years. Like, they have to get over the hump. They have to beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs, the Chiefs aren't going to measure themselves by a win or loss versus the Raiders in Week 5. That's not where their season is should be measured. Their, their, their goal is to win Super Bowls. They This is where they are, and, and the Chiefs are as a franchise right now. Their goal is, should be and will be to win Super Bowls every single year. A um, couple things I kind of want to touch on right right away is just first we'll say the injury stuff. Anthony Hitchens was banged up and was going in and out of the game yesterday um, with his hand. I haven't heard any updates up to this point whether or not he will be out a substantial amount of time or really what is going on with that hand injury. Um, the other one is Sammy Watkins with the hamstring uh, I saw an update there. He is going to miss significant time. It seems weeks is what I heard. And if it's a you know if it's a ham a bad hamstring injury, you're looking anywhere four to six weeks plus on that. So that's not good news there. And then obviously one of the the biggest ones is Kalechi Osemele, the starting guard for Kansas City with the torn tendons in both knees, which is just that's just terrible, just terrible luck. He 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 had been playing so well. Um, here at the beginning of the season. So that really, really sucks for him and, and the Chiefs. Um, you know, their offensive line is is lacking a little bit of depth now. It's They brought in Dan Kilgore and stuff. But right now you're looking at, uh, you know, LDT opted out beginning of the year. Lucas Nyang, who they drafted, opted out at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Martinez Rankin is still um, not back from his injury last year. So it would be, it would be nice. You know, I, 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 w- I wish we heard some news on Rankin. Um, we haven't still heard anything yet, so I, I would imagine he's not coming back anytime soon if we haven't even heard him, like, returning to practice or anything like that. But they'll move forward. You know, Rammers will be in there, um, and that's why they brought in a veteran like that, right? They, they need to, to get him going and have him ready to go. But uh, we'll see how he does. He, did, he didn't do great. He didn't do terrible in, in his time and his spelling of, um, of assembly, so – it is what it is at this point as, as far as the injuries are concerned. Some hot-button hot topics for the Chiefs, all right, and kind of what I've been seeing 
on Twitter and all the social media sites and everybody's kind of talking points today. Um, I've heard that the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is terrible. I heard that Patrick Mahomes is not trusting his offensive line in the pocket and bailing too much. I've heard that the Chiefs shouldn't have drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round again. That's coming up. I'm hearing again the Cole Hardman stuff, how he's not ready and hasn't developed enough as a wide receiver. Um, so a lot of a lot of hot-button topics going on out there, and, and what I'll kind of say to everybody is, is just take a deep breath. Everything's okay. It was a bad game. It's you, you, they weren't going to go 16 and 0. I, I hate to inform everybody of that. That's just kind of the facts. It's happened once in history, and there's a reason. It's really hard to win in the NFL. I mean, look at the parity of some of the teams that are winning and some of the teams that are losing right now. So, um, these things will kind of keep touching on. But I, first, I, I just tell me your biggest maybe reaction or takeaway or if you want to touch on any of those kind of hot button topics that I just had kind of listed out there about what's being talked about. Let's let's where do you, where do you want to start with this, Caleb? OK, Um. first off, I'm absolutely devastated that Kaleche Osimile's career might likely now be over if he I mean, it was just such rotten luck that one play, a very questionable holding call on the deep ball to Hill basically is what led to that drive extending longer. And, you know, it was probably by rule a holding, but it's one of those ones that they can call that every play if they want. And, you know, he's in there and he has just that big physical presence in there. He's kind of, you could tell the kind of respect he demands and earned and he just his short time for the Chiefs, when he went to the cart, I think we saw almost every member of that team over there dapping him up and wishing him luck, and Frank Clark over there dapping him up. You know he's definitely earned, had to earn the respect of the Chiefs for only being there for such a short period of time. So that's absolutely horrible news. It was a horrible play. I'm, I was just very disappointed by it. Um, Mike Rimmers. You know, he's going to be in there. He's going to be steady, but he's not going to be able to make up for the physical presence and that kind of tough guy attitude and mentality we've been seeing from Osimile. So that was unfortunate. Um, I have no idea who started the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire stuff, but there's one thing I don't think a lot of people realize. It's for the Chiefs to be getting going with what they're going to try to do. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to need to play a big role in that. And I don't even think he played a bad game yesterday again. I don't know why people freak out on him because there's one play where he catches the ball and runs 20 yards and he puts two spin moves on two defenders. I don't think I've yet to see him actually get tackled one-on-one like in the hole with a defender but the offensive line play has just really been inconsistent, but it hasn't been as bad as people are dogging on it for. There's been, it's just so many compounding different things that just trying to pinpoint one thing is just a broad generalization. That's not really how this game works. We see Mahomes step up in the pocket. Sometimes he steps up in the pocket this week and the uh, defender barely snags him with Eric Fisher Eric Fisher doesn't even make a bad block. The defender just gets in and he somehow, I think it was Crosby or Nassib, one of them, they just grab his jersey 
and try to sack him. And I mean, that's just a really unfortunate play. But then there's sometimes when Mahomes should step up and let the tackles work the guys around him, work those guys around him. He should step up in the pocket and then be able to deliver the ball. Instead, we see him roll out. I think something I've noticed he's Pat's got a little tendency. He does not like people to be behind him when he's playing. I think that's something I've seen today is something I'm kind of starting to think might be happening. I don't think he's a little bit uncomfortable with um, the offensive tackles running the, uh, their men past him. He likes a real flat area to throw the ball. It's just kind of what he's comfortable with. So It'll be interesting to see how that plans out. He's going to have to trust them at some point, but also the interior play and the offensive line play also have to make it easier for him to trust them. So it's a two-way kind of deal there. And I'm I worry now about the interior offensive line that without big KO in there because, you know, Rimmers is Rimmers. He's going to be a Cam Irving filling kind of guy. So we'll see if that problem compounds. I would love to uh, – I would just love to see if they could bring in maybe another body to help fill in in the interior offensive line, or maybe if we even get to see a young guy like Nick Allegretti step in and play well. But things have to be made from that side of the ball. Things need to change. People were very upset, very queued up. Um, Honestly, still in my opinion, I think, though, that Clyde and McColl if we can get them two going, they're going to be the missing pieces. And I think that's kind of what the Chiefs are going to have to sit down and decide upon is Andy and his staff. They're going to have to really figure out how to get those guys involved because it just seems like every time they touch the football, they just turn in, they make, they turn it into something even when there's not. And you can't have two guys that are that special like that, not being involved in more in the offense. For sure. They're, those guys are playmakers. Um, I think we've seen that, you know, and I, I mean, yes, I understand the analytical standpoint of why you don't draft running backs in the first round because a lot of their production is based on uh, offensive line play and whether or not the offensive line can create holes and all that. I get all that. I do. Um, what I would like to see a little bit more is the Kansas City Chiefs utilizing his ability to run routes and his ability to catch the football on more than just little fake handoffs and running out into the flats. Like let's get him in some option routes and utilize him underneath where these teams are starting to drop seven, eight guys in coverage. Um, maybe we, I, I, I don't know. I, I know the vertical passing game is what we want and the deep crossers and overs. It just doesn't seem that we're right now. And I, I, I need to take it. And this is kind of one of the things I want to do during the week is take a real deep look into where our quick pass game is going. And, and kind of, if that's something that we might start to need to look towards more, um, just because of the way that teams are playing us currently. So, yeah, I definitely get the, that as far as that's concerned. Uh, the, the one thing I do, too, and before we keep going here, is the other thing that everybody's kind of been talking about is the refs. And if you're somebody that is out there that's saying that the refs cost the Kansas City Chiefs this game, just stop. Refs don't win and lose football games, period. Now, were there questionable calls? Yeah. Yes, there were. There were a number, a number of questionable calls out there. But flat out, they don't they don't win or lose teams football games. That's not how it goes. Um, if you're out there doing that and saying that, that the Chiefs lost because of the refs, just stop. You sound like a loser. 
And that's just putting it very bluntly. That's how it is. I've been coaching. I'm going into six, my 16th year coaching, and I have been on the side, the wrong side of so many calls I can't tell you. But I can tell you what, and if you look at that, and I bet you every single player inside that locker room and every single coach in, on the staff right now in Kansas City isn't going, man, man, those refs, they really cost us the game. No, they're going, wow, if we could have stopped uh, Henry Ruggs on that deep pass or Nelson Aguilar on that deep pass, or if we, you know, Nick Kaiser catches that third down coming across the middle, um, those plays are game-changing plays, you know. Yeah, there was some bad calls for sure. Absolutely. The missed defensive pass interference call, absolutely. And, like, in a game like that where it's close um, and you're you're really kind of – it feels like you're struggling on every aspect of the game, all those calls, all those missed calls, they're all – they get amplified and they feel like they're so much more impactful because the game is close, because it is – they are impactful. Sure, they are impactful. There's no question. But again, they don't win or lose teams' football games. The bottom line is, they had chance to. They had a chance even at the end of the game. Get a stop. Get a stop. Get a stop and get the ball back. You don't. You're not. You're telling me that with the way that that Kansas City Chiefs offense was playing, if they didn't stop, Pat Mahomes wasn't going to go down there and score a touchdown and probably get the two point conversion to tie it. Because I would have put money on it that they were going to. <laughs> dog, it's unbelievable, man. I just. People have been arguing with me about that all day, and I'm like, well, the Raiders had 144 combined rushing yards on us. Um, Devontae Booker kind of came out of nowhere. Him and Josh Jacobs really messed us up all day. We had one sack all game on Derek Carr, and that was actually from my uh, our guy, Mr. Willie Gay Jr. on that play, who's starting to play more and more reps because there's a – the Chiefs might have an issue in their linebacker units. So uh, I know that's been some issues with stopping the run. Guys, the Chiefs also have $200 million invested in their pass rush, and Frank Clark and Chris Jones made very little impact on the game today. I think Frank Clark, and I haven't even gotten a chance to watch and see what they were doing to limit them. I think it was just a lot of the time was just Trent Brown was playing outstanding and uh, Garrett or uh, what's his face there left tackle uh, Colton, I, Miller. Colton Miller yeah I about called him Garrett Bowles they've been the same player that's the best he's ever played against the Chiefs so those guys had a plan and I think they also knew they just wanted to come in and slug it out and they were leaving extra protection in on those long plays. So, yeah, Frank Clark and Chris Jones really made no huge impact on the game. I think the Raiders pretty much did a solid job, but Chiefs defense, they struggled also. The secondary didn't play all that great. They were torched a couple of times between Ward and Fenton and Teron Matthew, Thornhill, and uh, Sorensen. I think they all played average games. Nice to see old Breezy. Back out there, though, that interception, that was a positive. Willie Gay had some positives. Like I said, though, I do like them seeing them utilize him more as a pass rusher, get him on the field somehow. Man, they got to try because I'll let you handle this one. But there's a individual, and he's a linebacker for the Chiefs, and he's really starting to irritate a lot of people around Chiefs' kingdom. And so I know he's getting – scapegoated quite a bit but why don't you tell us about this uh certain individual 
Yeah, it's Ben Neiman. Everybody has kind of been crushing him. And I think for good reason. He, You know, and it's funny, too, because if you think back only a few years ago when Neiman was a rookie and undrafted guy and he had all those plays in the preseason, and I was one of them because the linebacking core now has been an issue for a few years. Everybody was clamoring for him. Everybody's saying, get Ben Neiman in the game. Get Ben Neiman in the game. Well, Ben Neiman's been in the game, and he's been not great, <laughs> to say the least. Um, it's uh, If you like PFF and all the grading and stuff like that, now, I'm not a huge proponent, proponent of them. I do think that they give some context, but he Neiman was, once again, the lowest-graded defender for the Chiefs. He's just a massive liability, and if you watch the games and watch the film on him, he just he's really not bringing much to the table right now. He misses tackles in space. He doesn't cover well. He's out of position in the run game. Um, he's covered up easily by linemen in the run game. He needs to be somebody. I don't understand why we're not playing Willie Gay at this juncture. Now, obviously, the coaches get to see him in practice and see what's going on, and maybe they think that just puts too much on his plate as a rookie. And they've obviously tried to bring him along pretty slowly. But Willie Gay is an athlete. And we talked about this last week on the pod. The guy is athletic. One of the best things he did in college was his pass coverage. He's got to be in there in the nickel packages. It can't it can't be Neiman out there because even just the tackling in space is so massive. He just misses tackles and it's an extra, you know, seven to ten yards, I feel like, every single time he misses a tackle. Uh, so it's it's pretty disappointing to watch, to be honest. And I, and, and I think, honestly, that like, and you already touched on this, the biggest appointment, disappointment for me yesterday on the defensive side of the ball was the defensive line. They just, they didn't show up at all. They had, they got no pressure. Um, it's, it's something that we were not accustomed to seeing so far this year. The, the, the front has played absolutely dominant this year. We thought that it was potentially their, their best uh, unit, maybe even on the team. And they're not, they did not show up yesterday. They were stonewalled. Uh, Gabe Jackson, the guard for the Raiders, was stonewalling Chris Jones pretty much all day. I think Jones maybe had one pressure where he kind of uh, hit the back of Carr's arm and caused the ball to pop up in the air there. But other than that, I mean, there's there was nothing. There was really nothing. So that is disappointing, especially, like you said, how much they've invested in into that pass rush. And I think that that part of it is is that they're, they haven't invested in corners because they did invest in the defensive line. And if your defensive line can get pressure, that's going to help your corners, obviously. I think Traverius Ward was just flat benched at one point in that game. He got beat, you know, bad by um, by Ruggs. And then the other one was he didn't close down on Nelson Aguilar, hurt him and Tyron Matthew didn't. So he was on there for two of the biggest biggest plays of the game where he was he was absolutely toasted so I don't, I don't know if they're going to try to go back to Breland and Fenton uh this next week against the Bills but I mean you're they're gonna the secondary is gonna have to be ready Josh Josh Allen is absolutely rolling right now um for for the Buffalo Bills and they're 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 throw first team they throw as much as any team in the NFL on first down so they use a ton of play action um they're going to have to be ready. They're, you know, they're going to have to be ready to be able to cover the pass. And if they're not, Stefan Diggs is going to have another big day. And they, they will look to go vertical. That is that is for sure. So they're definitely going to have to play better than they did this week. You know, I see guys like, uh, you know, I don't really shoulder much of the blame for this loss on Rashad Fenton just because we didn't even really expect him to be a factor this year. And honestly, he's 
on. I thought he looked pretty good. He made some mistakes yesterday, but he's still looking like he's a pretty solid player. That's the thing that disappoints me, though, is I see these, like, role guys getting crushed. Well, what did our big-name guys do on the defensive side of the ball, the guys we have a lot of money locked up? And, you know, Matthew, he really didn't play very good. This might have been one of his worst games as a chief. He just didn't seem like he was always in the right position. And like you said, Gruden knows how to call his plays. He's dialing them up. I mean, they're very familiar with each other. So there was that end of the spectrum. Ward was benched. I couldn't believe that. So they're not messing around on defense, though. I don't think – I think we would take it back to being better. But like I said, though, when the Chiefs' defense succeeds, it's usually because our defensive line – makes an impact on the game where Chris Jones and Frank Clark make impact plays. And, you know, Anthony Hitchens was going in and out all game, and he was banged up bad. But I thought that despite the loss, I thought that seeing that out of him should have been enough to send the message to everyone else that we are still never out of the game, even when we're down by two possessions. And I thought he showed a lot of heart out there. That was a pretty inspiring I think that Hitchens has probably had his best three weeks in a row as a chief. He is playing on another level as to where we've seen him play before. And I think he's a guy that, you know, love him or hate him. He's one of the leaders of our defense. I know he's not the greatest at playing pass coverage. It's not really something he does good at, but man, when you, he goes in there like a warrior down into that box to go in there and try to tackle people. And, you know, his life's been made a lot easier having his, having as good a defensive line as the Chiefs did, but I thought he showed just a tremendous amount of heart and effort out there tonight that hopefully was infectious to the younger guys on the team and other positions. So I loved seeing that out of him, but yeah, Neiman was not doing great. The secondary wasn't doing great. I mean, guys, when the Chiefs win, you know, I hate to say it, but it's not usually because Ben Neiman goes out and makes a big play. It's usually because Chris Jones makes a big sack, you know, when the Chiefs don't win, it's usually, I mean, Ben Neiman letting up a big play could also have an impact, but I think it's much more of an impact when a guy like Chris Jones or one of the guys we have to lock our money up and don't make a play and Frank Clark doesn't make a play and those guys just can't really get anything going. That I just, I wish people could understand that and see how that works because Ben Neiman gives up big plays all the time the first four games of the season, and it didn't make a difference, you know. And then ironically, later down the season during the playoff stretch, we'll probably be playing the Raiders close again, and Neiman will have a strip sack and a fall or a fumble recovery or something huge in the game. So that's just the funny way football works, man. But we're seeing kind of the not-so-fun side of it right now. Yeah, when you don't win, everybody kind of freaks out and everything's like I said, every like the like the missed calls, you know, everything's amplified when you lose. There's and, and the thing is, and the reality of it is, nothing's ever as bad as it seems, and nothing's ever as good as it seems. You know, that's just how it is, and especially in the NFL, that's just how it goes. Uh, defensively, um, anything else you really want to touch on, and then maybe we'll kind of move to the offensive side, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we kind of expect um, against Buffalo here coming up. Anything else defensively? I don't think that I really, you know, Mike Dane is still out. That's something that we're going to have to monitor. He, you know, he wasn't even active with the hamstring. So, um, 
would have been nice. He seems like a guy that brings energy. Maybe he could have made a little bit of a difference the way he's been playing. So maybe he would have been able to make, you know, an impact with a, with a, with a pass rush or something like that. Um, other than that, I don't think anything else defensively. So let's let's change over to offense. Let's talk about that. It's something, and I the, the biggest hot button topic, like I talked to you about and I said earlier, was kind of where this offensive line is. You know, obviously you played the position, um, and so it's something that you know pretty well and you've already started breaking it down a little bit and I know that there's been tweets out there and Jeff Schwartz has talked about it and everybody's kind of freaking out about it and it's the same thing I I just mentioned and talked to about with my dad it was it's never one it's never one thing usually you know if especially with the way that the Chiefs are that they're pretty good. Like going into the game, they've been pretty good. And they have a quarterback that doesn't really take sacks. Um, you know, he's one of the best at the NFL of not taking sacks. The, the, the line is usually one of the best in the league at not giving up pressures. So when you have a game where it seems like there's a ton of pressure, there's probably a lot more than one thing going on. And that's kind of the way I looked at it. And something that we like touched on earlier was one teams are, putting seven or eight guys in coverage at this point and trying to get pressure with four. Now there are times where 100% they have gotten beat and that's part of the things. And, but you know what? It's going to happen. Linemen are going to get beat. It's just, especially when you have to throw the ball as much as they do. And that's just part of their offense. And a lot of their routes are deep forming routes. So that's, it's going to happen. They're going to get beat. Um, and part of it is with seven, eight guys in coverage. I think sometimes that there's just flat nobody open. Like you looked at that last interception or that Mahomes threw his first interception of the year. There was literally nobody open. They showed the overhead shot of that during the broadcast and there's, you know, eight guys in coverage and it's fourth down. So you got to try to make a play and throw it up, but there's nobody there. I mean, there's nobody open. So a lot of the times if there's seven, eight guys in coverage, Mahomes is going to get out of the pocket and scramble out of the pocket to try to create space and time and almost just create a scramble drill to try to get somebody open because, there's just not a lot of space when there's that many guys in coverage. So it might seem like there's pressure when there's, when there's probably in reality, not, and he's doing it to create time and space for the receivers. Um, and then the other thing is, and you know, Jeff Schwartz has kind of pointed this out a few times. There are times where Mahomes does get a little deep in his drop. Now, obviously everybody remembers wasp and he took that 14 step drop. Well, you know, obviously you don't, you don't want to do that every time because the, especially the offensive tackles, they're going to, they're going to expect a set to a to a, a spot, and they're going to expect Mahomes not to get any deeper than a spot in the pocket. So they know where they can ride those tackle, ride those defensive ends past him on that spot. So if he's deeper, it gives it gives the DNs a wider angle to rush on, and that does happen a few times. So like I said, it's not one thing; it's a multitude of things, and I think it's things that can get fixed. And I think it's why I talked a little bit earlier about the quick game. I'd like to see you know where they go with that, maybe. Just take, and I think that's why you see everyone's like, oh, Mahomes is checking it down. And he's not having the thing. Well, sometimes that's literally all that's there when you have seven or eight guys in coverage. Yeah, it's just, it's weird how that thing, how things work like that sometimes, though. The Raiders had one clip. It was the, it was the play they had to Hill early. I, they, they were dropping, they were lining like Carl Nassib and Crosby up on Kelsey in their four point stance. And then they were having him them drop off the line to take away the short stuff to Kelsey, just not even there to cover him 
or just kind of there to be a, a bigger body on him. That was something I don't think I've ever seen anybody try so far. They were running some coverages, dropping guys back into different places, and really they're doing a good job of that double covering Hill. They were determined to not let him get deep deeper than them, and they only did once, and that was the penalty. So that was obviously a huge factor in the game, them being able to cover things up. You know, like you said, though, it's just different stuff every week now. And it reminds me of last season around this time, around week four or so, when we lost a home game to the Texans last year and that, and before that. And that was kind of one of those times where they changed things up on Mahomes also. Pat threw a couple of interceptions, and the Chiefs lose a close game after the defense relatively does nothing all game except for give up yards. And so this kind of parallels that. Now, last year around this time, it was blitz. It was blitz city in Kansas city because teams were coming in and they were trying to throw every pressure you could think of at Patrick Mahomes. And we saw that go on for about three weeks. He got injured. Teams just kept pressuring him and kept pressuring him. And they kept doing all the same, all those things. And then something funny happened. The chiefs went up to, uh, went up to new England last year and they got Pat a couple of times with some coverage, and the Chiefs ended up, I mean, they still blitzed Pat, and he threw a couple of touchdown passes, but they did intercept him and gave him some trouble. That was one of the first teams I really remember the Chiefs playing against and kind of noticing that he doesn't always, the Chiefs don't always do so well against these deeper coverages, and teams are starting to get smart and figure that out. Well, that was that time last year when Bill Belichick and his genius up there in New England were starting to figure out that you can play different kinds of coverages on him. That was around the time that Mahomes really started to learn how to beat blitzers and how the Chiefs found up, came up with a game plan to keep him up and keep him safe. And a lot of it had to do with just throwing passes to Kill and Kelsey and then letting the other guys eat around them. And there was something else that played a big role in that as the Chiefs running game was semi-effective right now. I hate to say it. I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he looks good when he's on the field, but the Chiefs running game in general just isn't going anywhere. And I think that they're going to have to be able to, there's going to be some times when these teams are going to drop the people back as deep as they can. I mean, these guys are back. They're not putting any back. They're playing with four, four to five man boxes a lot of the time. There's, the Chiefs are going to have to figure out something with the running game. I mean, we're not going to be a really tra traditional inside zone NFL running team right now, but I think they need the Chiefs are in a phase right now where they're going to have to learn how to keep stretching the field laterally, which we do see quite a bit already. I think that if they can get some la attack in the lateral run game and really attack the flats, that's going to really hamper teams, but it'll also go back to the Chiefs killing them with that and opening up more passing lanes down the field. But it's really something that is going to have to be addressed or figured out. And so, I mean, I'm sure Andy and Bienemy will be scheming up something this week to beat these defenses because we're going to see it exactly. We're going to see the same thing this week from the Bills. They Bills got a pretty good, solid defense. They got some big, strong defensive linemen they're going to try to bust down the door with four and then they're just going to play coverage it's going to be the same thing but uh 
yeah, they just they got to figure out a way to run the ball at least a little bit effectively, in my opinion, for them to be able. They got to get back to being more balanced, like they were in the playoff run last year. Speaking about run game, I, we this is now what the second game in a row that pretty much Darwin Thompson has gotten no almost no run after he had the fumble. Um, I, I I think we might have seen the last of him DeAndre Washington was kind of brought back and he wasn't active for the game but I think that it might be something where if Darwin Thompson's not going to be on the field and not like producing on special teams they might just make Washington active and I think that you'll see uh, Daryl Williams still in his third down role but like when you need uh, to spell Clyde on the early downs it's going to be Washington in there um, I think he's a little bit better of a pure runner than Daryl Williams is. A little more elusive, a little quicker. Um, but Williams, he's good for what he does. He's good in pass pro. He's got good hands. He's reliable. So I don't mind if he's a backup. But, I mean, I, I don't think that we should be seeing so much of him. He's He played, you know, it was, it was basically a 59-41 percent split as far as snap count for the two yeah and uh, i was gonna say real quick and patrick also trusts daryl so he's definitely someone they like having around just because he does the dirty work and he does the you know he's our dirty work back he's gonna go in there and block and keep pat upright and he knows that's what he's good at and all for him but i do agree with you that deandre washington is probably gonna start getting some more reps and i think darwin's likely on his way out of town also yeah, I, I yeah exactly. I think Darwin might be done. I think Washington is just a more skilled, more skilled running back, better vision. Like I said, Daryl is going to stay in his role of third down because he's he's very good in pass pro, um, and he's reliable pass catcher out of the backfield. So he'll still have his place, but I think we could see more DeAndre Washington here to, to help maybe get you know two or three carries away from Clyde right now. Um, as far as the Bills are concerned, uh, we talked a little bit about offensively. You know, Josh Allen is coming in. As one of the hotter quarterbacks in the NFL um, right now, he's somebody that when you look at the jump that he has made in year three, it's really kind of never been done in, in the history of the NFL. Um, he's being super efficient in, the, in his pass game. He's completing a high number of passes. They're going deep. Brian Dabble has completely changed his game plans and the way he schemes stuff. Um, to the point where I was, I'm obviously we've mentioned before I'm up in the, in the Buffalo area. I, I didn't, I don't know. And I, none of my friends knew all of my bills fans. I, I asked them if they, if they hired Warren Sharp, um, as an analyst, because everything that they do is stuff that he constantly harps on to be an effective offense, pre pre snap motions, play action passes, passing the ball on first down. These are, these are things that they're doing at a higher clip just about than anyone in the NFL. So Expect that. See a lot. See a lot of that from them offensively. And then, as far as defense is concerned, they they're not the team that they used to be defensively. They're still very sound. They're Sean McDermott is somebody who is in, even really in every aspect of what he does as coaching. They're very sound. They're going to be in the right spot. Um, they fly to the football. They're you know they're going to play their base cover three. They're they're a cover three defense. You're not going to see a ton of man. So. And these are the defenses that have given Mahomes and the Chiefs offense trouble is that covered three. You think about the Chargers who did it. 
they've done it quite a bit, but they are susceptible, right? So the Rams put up a ton of points on them. Um, they were able to run the ball on them. Everybody has been able to throw on the slot out of the slot on them, and they also have picked on their number two corner there, Levi Wallace, but he is hurt, so I think it is going to be Josh Norman, who I don't think has been good in the past three years. So I think there is opportunities in the with the opportunities now, Sammy Watkins is out. So are we going to see McCole Hardman trying to take more of those type of reps, types of routes that Sammy usually runs? There's going to be Pringle in there, and they're just going to keep Hardman in, you know, to do what he does and stretch the field vertically and run those jet sweeps and stuff like that. That'll be interesting to see. But there are going to be opportunities for this offense, I think, um, to go against this Bills defense. They're really just going to have to limit their deep passes, I think, defensively. And I think if you're, you know, you're, you're the Bills, you're seeing what the, the Raiders were just able to do, and you got to be licking your chops. Yep, but they should also be very wary that Patrick Mahomes is now frustrated. And when Patrick Mahomes is frustrated, he likes to take his frustrations out on other football teams. And so I almost see this game as kind of a must-win in a way for the Chiefs especially with playoff considerations on the line and all of that fun stuff that'll go into that. Do you know what I'm, do you know what I mean, man? When I say like, it's a must win kind of game this week though. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because of the playoff implications with everything that's going to be coming down the line in the AFC right now, the bills are undefeated. Um, they just beat the Raiders and the Raiders just beat the chiefs. So right now the Raiders or the chiefs have a division loss which is never good towards wanting to get that one seed. You only have one team getting a bye. So um, when it comes down to it, if, if you're needing a tiebreaker and stuff, you're going to want that head-to-head victory over a team like the Bills. Now, the Bills haven't had to play the Patriots yet, um, so that'll be interesting to see kind of what happens there. But I do think the Bills – I wish I pulled the schedule up. They do have a pretty tough schedule, I think, coming up here. So it'll be interesting to see you know, where they are – kind of down the road for now because you know the the fact of the matter is is as good as Allen has played this year it's not he's not going to keep this pace up and that's not a knock on him that's just a fact because he's literally on a historic pace and there's a reason that these things are called historic because generally speaking they don't happen all the time so um we're gonna see what kind of where that goes so the the Bills schedule after the Chiefs so they got the, they have the Titans Tuesday night then the Chiefs, then the Jets, so that should be an easy win. But then they go Patriots, Seahawks, Cardinals, Chargers, 49ers, Steelers, Broncos, Patriots, again, Dolphins. So, you know, those are, other than outside, maybe the Broncos and the Jets, those are all definitely games that they'll be in a fight for. Now, the Chargers aren't great, but they're certainly not poor, and Justin Herbert is kind of balling for them, so... Dolphins aren't great by any stretch of the imagination. It's the last game of the year, so who knows? Maybe two will be starting by then. Um, you know, and it's division games. Division games are tough to begin with. So, um, and let's see. Yeah, they go to Arizona. They go to San Francisco. So that's you know you're traveling to the West Coast from the East Coast. Those games are always difficult. So they got a tough schedule. So it's definitely something where if the Chiefs could get this win they would definitely have a leg up towards the end of the year when vying for that, that buy seat, that buy spot because the chiefs already have the win and over the, over the Ravens, which is big. Yeah, that is probably one of the biggest um, things throughout the first quarter of the NFL season 
that we saw and it's really gonna start getting tight going on around here with that kind of stuff um Buffalo's gonna want to come in they're kind of the media darling of they're kind of who the Ravens were last year they're the team that everyone's kind of hyped up on and for good reason Josh Allen's playing really good football for some reason I think Willie Gay might have make a big impact on him this week because I don't know they just seem like they kind of match up to each other a little bit athletically than the way that he could Willie could be our guy to match some of that athleticism that uh Allen uses whenever he gets outside of the pocket but when he's in the pocket I think that we can see a similar game plan to what we saw against almost the Ravens just a little bit I think Chris Jones is going to need to have a big day and Frank Clark are going to need to put that pressure on and then the Chiefs defense I still think our corners should keep playing aggressively and man I love that stuff but like you said, um, if they can try to jump one of those routes on some of those early passing downs early in the game, we're kind of messed with Allen a little bit. We'll see how he gets to react now because Pat's been through what Josh Allen's already on right now. This is just the rise. Let's see what happens when they start messing with him a little bit now because, you know, Mahomes, he learned it. He figured it out. Let's see if Allen can figure it out also against us. But I think that we'd be silly to think that we'll go in here and the Chiefs will just run a base generic kind of defensive game plan that's actually been effective for them. I think they might have some tricks up their sleeve this week. That's the one thing that I want to see whether or not Allen can handle is can he make all the calls at the line of scrimmage? Can he get all the pass protections down? Because it's something that he has struggled with in the past. And I think that there are times where when the bullets are flying and everything's going crazy and you might be getting a little pressure. I still think he does revert to back to some of those bad habits. And you kind of saw it in the, in the Ram game, Rams game, you know, the Rams were down 28 to three. And when they started coming back, um, Allen definitely started trying to do a little bit too much and he was getting confused and he kind of reverted back to what he looked like against the Houston Texans in that playoff, in that playoff loss where he was just a disaster and was kind of crumbling and couldn't really take the pressure. So I would like to see him get up on the line, show a lot of different pressures, make him throw with anticipation, make him throw some accurate passes um, with people in his face, you know, get up and, and contest these wide receivers. Now, obviously, Diggs is one of the, the best, you know, probably top 15 wide receivers in the NFL, great route runner, but, you know, challenge him, throw off the timing, show the blitzes, see if Allen can read it, see if he can make these plays under some pressure and uh you know i i don't i don't worry about the offense like some people are some people are going crazy and stuff and that just blows my mind after scoring 32 points the offense will be fine mahomes is still absolutely incredible um so i think this is a game that the chiefs they should they should win i think they're three points favorite three or three and a half point favorites right now um on the early line so it's a game that i i'd like them to win but i mean bills are a good football team so they're gonna have to come in and execute for sure yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game. Josh is he, – he gets portrayed as kind of a goober sometimes, I think, if you know what I mean. Like, I think people think he just kind of – he's just like a big kid, someone said. Someone else I saw made a comparison of Allen and said that he kind of reminds them a little bit of John Elway. I don't remember too much of John Elway's playing days, but I guess from highlights, they might look kind of have some similar tendencies in the way they play. But no, but hey, um, 
the game's actually supposed to be on Thursday night. Well, that's not happening because of the COVID situation. I think before we get out of here, we would be foolish to not talk about that situation and how things are kind of um, progressing with that through the league because I believe the Chiefs had a positive test this weekend from their strength and training coach. And, you know, we've seen all these – games in Tennessee get pushed back and moved around and now the Chiefs are going to have to play the Bills on like a Monday afternoon next week in Buffalo and oh yeah something else I want to say real quick before more COVID stuff when Buffalo is good at football it's good for the NFL yeah no that's that's for sure um, Bill, Bills Mafia is a loyal fan base and they are obviously all over social media and you know it sucks that you don't get the uh the tailgating experience and getting to see them smash their tables every single week. But it does make it certainly interesting when they are, when they are good, but yeah, the COVID situation is something we're going to, you're going to just, you're going to have to monitor it all week for the rest of the year. It's just the way it is. It's a, it's an absolute disaster. And you know, the thing that I'll say about this, especially with the Titans team, one, they broke protocol. The NFL needs to come down and absolutely hammer them with a massive, massive penalty whether it's suspending Vrabel for the rest of the season or whether it's suspending him and taking away draft picks, whether it's all those and cap space, whatever it is, it needs to be huge because not only did they put their season on the line, they put the entire season of the NFL on the line. Now we've had to make all these rescheduling and all these scheduling changes because of them breaking protocol when they knowingly and willingly went to practice knowing that they were supposed to not do that because they had so many positive tests. They did it anyways, and then they had to end up, you know, like 20-something staffers and players testing positive. So, and they, you know, if you're listening out there, wear a mask, um, take care of each other, wash your hands. If you want the rest of the NFL season to happen, do those things. Try to stop the spread here. Because me personally, I I will lose my mind if we don't get the NFL season for the rest of the way. It'll drive me nuts. But it's definitely something. It's going to be something every single week. If you're a fantasy player, it's a it's a it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare trying to deal with all this stuff. You know, it's just you're every single week you're wondering whether or not the game's going to go off. You know, the Broncos Patriots game got canceled this week. Then the Bills and Titans game got moved to Tuesday, and then the Chiefs and Bills game was supposed to be Thursday, and now it's Monday at five Eastern Standard Time. Like. It's, it's a disaster. So do what you're supposed to. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. NFL players, I doubt any of you are listening to this, but you are. Do the same thing. Tell your buddies to do the same thing because we need this season. Derek Carr's burner accounts are probably the only people that even like and follow us on here. No, for real, guys, keep on keeping on with the COVID. Wear your masks. Be smart. Be safe because, you know, we want the season to continue. I don't play fantasy football, but I'd say that 2020 has been a nightmare, more or less, and we're just now into the fourth quarter of the year. So it's going to be an interesting finish to this one for sure, but hopefully we'll get the good old Chiefs to turn it around next week, and hopefully they'll be getting on when getting on with it. So, yeah, and, and also with the Titans, just real quickly, that's just stupid and irresponsible of them to go out there and have an active workout when they knew there was an active outbreak on their team. That was foolish, but never seen no NFL games on Monday at four o'clock in the afternoon. So that's going to be interesting. So it's going to be some Monday afternoon football. Yeah. 
Sorry, Mike was mooted again. Yeah, that'll be super interesting. Um, I don't I don't hate it by any stretch. I like the doubleheader on Monday. I actually wish that they would just get rid of Thursday night games and do doubleheaders on Monday. I think it's way better. Thursday night football is generally trash. It gives time for the players' bodies to rest. So I actually like that. But, um, Caleb, why don't you just give any closing thoughts that you might have about the Chiefs versus the Raiders, Chiefs versus the Bills, Chiefs in general, and then tell everybody where you can find you. Chiefs versus Raiders, last thought on the game. People need to calm down about, about the Chiefs losing a football game. Nobody goes undefeated. It, it happens very rarely. I think, I mean, the closest team of my lifetime to ever do it was the Patriots, and that team was loaded. And so of course, they lost into the Super They lost in the Super Bowl that year. So it's a good thing we got that loss out of the way early. Get all of our losing done now and then. Andy Reid will get us on another big streak because, you know, it was time. It was the Chiefs, and they were due to lose to the Raiders, and it happens to everybody. The Raiders are going to tell their kids stories about that game for the next decade. John Gruden just bought himself another 10 years and another stake in ownership, and it'll be glorious to see when the Chiefs roll into Vegas later on and maul them up. This week versus Buffalo, we might have a potential AFC championship game or a playoff preview. I think that Andy might have some some tricks up his sleeve because I just think that he's got to be fed up with fed up with just the Chiefs, all this stuff going on. I think he's going to make them pay. And, of course, you guys can follow me on Twitter at CJ Scoobs. Um, follow at the coach's corner. Also, I run another chiefs podcast and another chiefs Twitter account called at chiefs take. Um, I'll have a recording up for that probably on Thursday is when I'll have that recorded and, uh, just be on the take from all the good old arrowhead live content. You know, we got all the, we got the best analysis out there. So go check it out y'all. Yeah, the last thing I'll say, I, I'm sure everybody's seen the the gif out there of the dog drinking the coffee with the house burning around you, and it's just like saying, oh, it's fine, everything's fine. Guys, that's not happening. The house isn't burned down. Everything really actually is fine. It was a loss. It sucked. But don't forget about the opportunities they had that didn't end up coming to fruition. They had a long touchdown call back, uh, you know, with a holding call. They, they were, they're making plays all over the place. Things – Things happen like that in the NFL. Wonky things happen. Good teams get beat by bad teams all the time. But it doesn't change the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs are still the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, they're going to they're gonna get the ship right. Like I said, we have Patrick Mahomes. We have the Michael Jordan of our era, if you like that comparison. Or if you want LeBron James, who just won another NBA title, whoever you are, he's, the, he's that guy to the NFL. We're, we're going to be fine, so don't worry about it. Bill's Mafia is coming. You know, we're actually going to Bill's Mafia, so it's, it's going to be a game. You know, it's going to be a game. I, I, I expect the Chiefs to win, but uh, I think it's going to be a game, and uh, we will see how it goes. But you can find me on Twitter, jdiz1617. Um, I also do another podcast called Ballin' Over Beers if you're into fantasy and DFS and sports betting. So we do that. That one's good to the good one, a pretty fun one. It's over on Border Fuel Sports. But uh, look out for my article with the Power Rankings Digest. We'll have an NFL Power Rankings coming out here soon again this week. And then I'll be talking actually some scheme stuff for this Bills Chiefs game um, later in the week. So you'll have to check that one out with a nice little preview for that game. So 
Chiefs Kingdom, we're four and one. Everything's all right. We still have Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the world, and a Hall of Fame football coach. So the ship will be righted. Don't worry about it. We'll talk to you next time. To the Chiefs Kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!